the Ata are settlers of Boracay, Boracay Island in Aklan, Philippines. The uh, anthropologist Alicia Magos wrote about a little bit of history about them. No, Looking back into the historical versions of the Haring Marikudo <laughs> and his wife Mariwantiwan who welcomed the Borneian Datu. So basically, we hear about them through the story of that. The Panay, whether it's myth or it's a true story, you know, but it's there as a Pakala folk story. So they are so-called the nomadic Aboriginal Negritos. So in a way, Shade of the Dark Pygmies largely came from Papua New Guinea and uh, other islands of Micronesia. A lot of people refer to them as Ati. But in the songs that I research, they are actually say, Ikam ke mga ata, which is we, the ata. So when I write about them, I use the terminology that they use when they refer to themselves as ata. What do they usually do for a living? What is their subsistence mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. and right. historically? That's a good question. There is a historical timeline. So I will use again the research of anthropologist Alicia Magos. The pre-1970s, they have pangranso or hunting, gathering nomadic lifestyles. The 1970s to 1980s, that's the entry of migrants. I think that's a term now. So the settlers are migrants and the development of tourism. The buying of lands in Boracay <laughs> and, uh, you know, the highly commercialized lifestyle after that. 1990s to 2011, that's when the displacement of the Ata happened and the relocation of their groups in other areas of the island. No? And then in 2010, there goes the visioning of the resettlement process with the different support groups. And then later on, of course, the awarding of the Certificate of Ancestral Dominant Title, or known as the CAGTI, followed by the pioneer settlement of the land identified in the CAGTI, followed by harassment from other claimants beginning at the same time. And then uh, in 2012, establishments of temporary settlements in the CAGTI area and more intensified harassments. This is just tailing off from what you asked about what do they do. Of course, they have the the hunting, gathering, but now because a lot of forest zones, this hunting grounds are already limited, if not almost not accessible because of the lands for resort occupation. So that most of the ATA now work as hotel laborers, doing laundry, driving the, the trucks, the vehicles. Um, but there are also those who do touristic work now, you know, uh, and of course, we have also graduates already uh, into education. So it has moved forward. They have this pride as a people that no matter what happens, we work. There is, we work. We do not beg. Now, Professor Muiko, we go to the next point, which is the history of the project, how you became interested in this. You can also, of course, uh, give us an introduction of yourself, <laughs> uh, because I imagine that's an important part of why you became interested in their music. Right, right. I'm a music composer, and I teach at the composition department of the University of Philippines College of Music. But my doctorate is in Philippine studies slash ethnomusicology. Uh, as a sandwich program of my PhD, I went to UCLA to take courses also in ethnomusicology and dance studies no? and finish up with Philippine studies in the Philippines. So I've got both the local and the Western background. So as part of my work, more than community work, is I got invited into Boracay to be part of this group of advocates no? under the wing and the leadership of the Assisi Foundation. 
they asked for different advocates to help out and document the culture of the people so that they can back up the validation process of the ancestral domain title. So that piece of paper has to be validated by facts. You don't just appear and say, hey, you are an indigenous person. You, you look at it. No, you have to have the knowledge and the culture. It's a part of the invitation that was done when Sister Hermie Hutares of the Dwagrotos of Charity asked me to assist them is to document, to study their music and dance. And that document that I produced was the National Commission on Indigenous People, or NCIP, and that helped in the validation process of their ancestral land title. So I take That's it. how important the songs are. Yes, definitely, definitely. These were not yeah. recorded just as a passing project. <laughs> so sometimes yeah. you ask, what is music for, right? Mm. The music in this sense became important for the people to sustain their life inside the island. This endeavor to look into the Atta's claims to the land, as it were, I imagine that produced mm. this album. It was because of that that you decided to record this. Is that correct? Well, that's my initiative. Because I can just do casual recording and research study, you know. But eventually, I thought that it has to be also mass distributed in a sense and that formally documented. So I applied for a grant at the University of Philippines Research and Development Office, the OVCRD. I acknowledge them now and I'd like to thank them for that grant. So that grant afforded me to be able to pay a recording engineer and clean up the materials and then replicate and then have those copies. Part of the production, the city is actually two number of copies. So I distributed it to the community and then I have my personal copy. The community also has a copy. I gave University of Philippines a copy copies not just copy <laughs> so yeah so everybody had to share there are a few left but uh, a lot of people has already copies and we are in possession of one of your albums what went into deciding what to record and how to record so what right. i did is conduct workshops no when i say workshop i gather their youth including the adult leaders no? so that they can be assisted so in the five-year term that i go back and forth Boracay, we had those workshops and they created new songs. It's a very sequential, periodic audio CD recording. It starts with a very traditional chant. It's very timely because that woman, she saw us you know, having this workshop for a long time. She's an elder, but she never volunteered. Hey, I know a chant. She just observed. She's... And during the recording day, she came up and someone introduced her and said, yeah, I can do a chant. And then she goes, oh, Oh, and then she goes like say it in their language you know meaning that let's gather let's all go home now because our day is over etc so she starts with that opening chant and then after that i also recorded the welcoming chant you know when they have guests and how they say maruyog kipag-abot meaning welcome welcome our guests you know and then uh, followed up by more traditional songs about Boracay. They have a song about Boracay, you know? Our pure uh, white land, they refer to that. I also have a recording of someone's narrating the loss of their leader, you know, the sad tale of how they lost Dexter, who is actually one of their youth leaders assassinated. He fought for the land. And then there's also the sayings there. And then after that, they have a group of liturgical music because they're managed also by the Daughters of Charity. And a lot of them now are Christian, you know, converted. 
Then the last part are their new songs. And the kids, actually, they did the lyrics and then the songs. And then they sang about the octopus, the blackfish, the coastal beauty of the land, the animals, the wild boar. They have this game song. And then the bird. So air, water. This is part of the songs there in the CD. Uh, Dr. Wiko, who is Inday Evangelio? She's a very important figure. She's, she's a leader in that community, a very humble leader. When you see her, you'd never expect that she holds the knowledge, including the endangered language of the group. I saw her even write in those pieces of paper, every word of the language and the meaning. So she has this bulk of paper now that I plan to eventually help out in coming up with the, the cultural dictionary out of those words that she wrote. And she teaches that among kids, you know, they, I think they provided also a school where she can teach the language. She would always make an excuse like, I can't really sing well, but I can tell you the language. So someone does the singing for us, you know, Lord Estambuon and um, the other leaders there, you know, with the young ones. In dying, really, she's the one who's the keeper of the knowledge of the group. Of course, the texts of some of the songs here were written by her. I guess that brings us really into the language of the Ata. Something I noticed is they do have a lot of borrowed Spanish words, mm, like mm. puro, historia. A lot of the words, you know, when I say ikam ke mga ata, we the ata. I'm not a linguist, but I speak Hiligaynon and I can understand Karaya. But this is neither with that group of Karaya. Uh, you know, it has different branch subgroups to the language. No? But this is really in a inata language. Definitely, it has already a mixture of some Spanish words. And sometimes you already have also the Tagalog coming in the language. I think you also will find that in the modern day old language. Say old, archaic, yes, but there's already a mixture of the colonial influences. And this. again, I go back to what I earlier said about tourism. It's really hybrid, but we keep like 80 to 90% probably of the language still there that I don't understand. That's so why I, I put in translations in that booklet. You mentioned earlier that this language is in danger. Why is that? Is it being lost among the younger ones? Yes, some of them do not understand. Some of them understand. That's why Jocelyn Evangelio or Inday, that's her nickname. When you go to the heritage village of Boracay, you say, where's Inday Evangelio? They point you out to that woman selling in the store. In between, no customers, she would write the words there in that piece of paper. And it grows and it grows every day. Eventually, it will become a dictionary. Some of the members of their choir, they have a small choir, youth choir, and at an early age when I met them, you know, 2009, 2010, 2011, and now they're like, they graduated from senior high and already going in and as college students. They actually go back to their songs when they also go back to language because that's how some words are kept as well, no? And yes, I think part of what the memory records in the mind is when you have the melody and the words that comes with the melody. So I believe that the song is a carrier of the language. I believe that we have minds that integrate all these things, you know. If you don't sing, at least you have the tune in your mind and you still have the language there stored. In the beginning, of course, the chant, which is, uh, you know, gave the exclamation mark of the oh, that's also a kind of a call. 
you just imagine before that between heels to heels, they call each other from afar. But now I wonder with the building barrier, that's why you don't hear the Ohoy anymore. Maybe there's no need anymore for that. So the Boracay Ati Youth Choir, this is the choir to which Mrs. Evangelio teaches the music. Mm-hmm. Besides her, there are also Perla Supetran and Lourdes Tambo. Yeah, Perla Supetran is older than Jocelyn or Inday Evangelio. And uh, she's the one who chanted at the very beginning. Uh, and they're quite, you wouldn't know when you visit even that, who's Perla here? Like, this is always behind someone else. You know, very unassuming, you know, that she did that. Who are these women? Why do they have such a compendium of the music? Did they have a certain role that they played in the community mm-hmm. that put them in this yeah. position? Actually, the first time I was introduced by Sister Hermie to the, the, these leaders, the force behind, Sister would have to believe in force the idea that you have to share and you have to tell her because we need to keep the land. There's something about being an indigenous and being called backward. It helps people to tell something about themselves and their identity. And I think that's part of the, the story of the ancestral land domain title and the early inhabitants of the island, yeah. These songs, I think it has kept them as a people. Whether you say they're commodified now because people come in and out and let them sing as well, you know. But I think it's part of really animating, making those songs alive because they're asked to be sung to guests of the island. And whether you say, oh, it's just tourists or it's just the objectify the young song. Yes, it can be part of the package. But it's also a way for them to tell the people, we have a culture. We have our ancestors also taught us and you know, related to generation. And of course, they created new songs, but using the language that their ancestors has passed down to generation. That's very important. It's a kind of intangible heritage. What are the forms? So what sort of music do they have? Have you recorded? You mentioned the influences earlier. Uh, what do they sing about? Mm-hmm. Just the straight tour compose, like the chant. Uh, this also the strophic form. Means strophic means the melody repeats but the lyrics change. And they also have the refrain. That's why there's an ABA form. You know? So there's a verse, there's a refrain, goes back to the form. You know? These are the structure that records in the song. But also there's a kind of a breaking away from the form. Like their game song is kind of cyclic, but there's a breaking away because when they say, so someone that eat in the middle will run after the other gamers and then he has to poke another person to go to the center. So it's kind of breaking the form. And then there's one song there, the Pugita, which is a kind of more like half speech, half song rendition. So Pugita, Pugita. That's kind of a counterpoint, but they use two conch shells going back and forth. You have been discussing how they sing about the Pugita, the blackfish, the, the bird, Tampispis. The repertoire is still pretty much alive in that there are new songs being added, including the one about Dexter, their leader. Uh, I think it's pretty important to their struggle, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about this song and its background. Oh, it's more like a narrative. Um, Jocelyn, Evangelio, um, talk more about the past, of what happened, you know, and the witnessing of that event. It's sort of the catalyst that eventually the government and other people have paid attention to their costs. There's a newspaper article too, and it's research-based that 
when it was written in 2017, that article has, uh, no, that is the smallest. Now, I don't know, right? But at the time, it was written that it is the smallest ancestral land domain title in the whole world. If I were to make an observation on the general Atta attitude, judging by mm-hmm. the songs we have here, they seem to have an openness because it seems that the repertoire of their songs, they easily add to it. Yeah, that, that's why in that recording, so someone was writing on the blackboard, the lyrics, that's the, what, what's happening during the workshop. And then they would look at the lyrics and they would read that. And then they would repeat certain things that are important to them. And then we would practice and they would hold the bamboo. Sometimes as kids, they would bang on that. Ta, 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 ta. And then eventually some rhythms come out. Then I told them, okay, repeat that. Okay, this, this and that. And then I'm just kind of directed them to the, the finality of the, the whole structure of the song. Before you knew it, we already recorded a whole song. It's really a process of fun as well. It's not just very serious, no? Someone is assigned to write on the blackboard. Someone is assigned to do this. And of course, food has to come with that. And then the workshop happens, then finally the recording, which is very interesting because I have like even small, like I think three or four year old kid who didn't sleep past midnight pa kami record What role does the music that you recorded play in the culture mm-hmm. of the Atta? The different roles. No? Um, I would say that, like, for example, the Maruyo Kipag Abot, it's not just the tourists, but sometimes the government agencies that come and check on the, their situation. They also have a set of liturgical songs that they sing during the Catholic Mass because the daughters of charity look after them. Some songs are really for entertainment. There's actually a mix of songs. They also taught Tagalog and English. There are also other types of songs that they sing. But this one, the Inati language, is the one that they really feature in programs, cultural programs, as part of the repertoire. Do they still have working songs? In a way, when they say planting the kamote, it's, it's one of the songs there. Eh? So it's a kind of a work song. When they dance, they also have the dance that's connected to getting water. And yeah, the planting, they also have a planting dance. I suppose it's important to note that apart from the music recorded here, there's a lot more that is not vocal music that people can enjoy. That, yeah, such it's as a the rhythmic yeah. instrumental, yeah. yeah. If there's something that you want this album to say, you want mm-hmm. our listeners to understand about the music of the Atta, what would that be? Through the Atta songs, I've actually felt and experienced the Atta's reckoning of self-value and independence, no? that they are willing to actually move with the ebb and tide of various interventions and external forces. When I say ebb and tide, we just talk about tourism, modernization in the island, etc. So that they can still maintain a place in the society. A society that has continually questioned their sense of place, their sense of jurisdiction within the social system that we have, and a space in the sense of establishing their homeland. The songs are very important because it's a kind of lens. No? It's a lens by which you see the content and context of their perspective. That's why they say, Ikam ke mga ata, we the ata. Or you say ati when you refer as an outsider calling them ati because you also want to assert yourself in their world. So the album is contributing to all this which makes up their, as a people, as a people of value, as a people who has actually finally asserted and has broken the long years of silence 
giving us also a way to reflect on their situation to support as well as to give credence to who they are and why they are there in the island until now.